0: Hello and welcome to the Euractive Agri Food Podcast. I'm Natasha Foote. I'm Julia Dam.
1: And I'm Gerardo Fortuna.
0: And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Euractive's Agri Food News Team. So this week, <laughs> it's going to come to as a huge surprise to everyone because this will be the third time in a row that we talk about what is it again, Gerardo? Drum roll. Drum roll, please.
1: I say something. Uh, food security, of
0: course. Yeah, yeah. Food I security. mean. <laughs> In case you're tuning in, you're not actually listening to an old podcast. You are, in fact, listening to the right podcast. We are just talking about the same thing again, but with the different flavors. We've always got different flavors to it, different angles, different. I
1: think the flavor is always the same. Well,
0: I mean, yeah, what else? <laughs> I mean, you don't,
1: you don't have to sell uh, you know, illusions. It's always the same. No, I'm joking, of
0: course. Yeah, it's the same. Uh, we're in Groundhog Day. This it's is what's happening. It's, it's like every day is the same day right now.
1: It's true that we could say that, for instance, when there was the common agricultural policy discussion, we were always talking about common agricultural policy. True. Common common agricultural policy are basically three regulations, uh, super big, uh, with topics ranging from uh, uh, the veggie burger to the, <laughs> the third famous. pillar, the the social uh, the social. Um, Conditionality. I just um, for, forgot everything about uh, <laughs> because of food security. It's been
0: erased by the Ukraine yeah. war and food security. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. But but uh, so we're gonna talk uh, about food security again.
0: Again, yeah, because it's the topic. It's the
1: maybe we should start with another stuff, uh, <laughs> equally important. If you want to. Equally important, even more, I would say. Okay, right. go on then. Mark my words. Uh, because uh, it, it, we're talking about one of the um, main news of this uh, week in the agri food bubble. Um, because on Tuesday, the 5th of April, uh, the Commission presented the proposal to update. The Industrial Emissions Directive, or IED.
0: Whoa, this isn't even food security. Yeah.
1: Whoa, that doesn't doesn't even sound that farmish. Yeah, know, it doesn't. Uh, so, what is it, and why did it it affect?
0: You took the question right out of my mouth. Farm,
1: yeah, mm. because we're talking about one of the main uh, legislation that help um, preventing and, and controlling pollution,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and in particular, is is crucial when it comes to guiding the industrial uh, investments. So again, it's about reductions of emissions coming from industrial installations and the largest livestock farms in Europe. This is the novelty and this is why now it's becoming interesting for farmers too, because under the new rules, for the first time, not only um, industri- industrial uh, installation but also uh, the largest uh, cattle pig and poultry farms will be uh, gradually covered uh, the commission mm. said in the uh, in the basically in, in the communication that 13% of the europeans commercial farms will be uh, affected and also uh, because they are responsible for uh, 60% of the uh, your livestock emission. This is a very contested and controversial.
0: But when you say large, I mean there's also there's Surely there's a large like leeway here. I mean, what are we talking about? What, what makes a farm large? What do they say? Uh,
1: this is this is uh, basically the the, the main uh, point and actually the oh, the, the, the bone, course. the bone on contentions because um, in the proposal we're talking about uh, farms with 150 livestock units. Mm-hmm. Which is equivalent uh, to one hundred fifty adult cows, or uh, three hundred seventy-five uh, calves, or oh, ten thousand laying hens, and uh, five hundred pigs.
0: What?
1: Yeah. So, and actually, in the first leak that was circulating um, the weeks before uh, the publication of the proposal, the number was one hundred lives. So it it was actually a bigger number of uh, of farms were involved. And uh, of course, the NGOs uh, complained about the fact that this uh, number was uh, basically, um, um, was a bit larger because of the push of the uh, farmers' lobby. But in the end, the, the proposal was actually welcomed by uh, by all the environmental NGOs, uh, with, uh, for instance, Greenpeace, saying that uh, uh, requiring requiring these giants of industrial livestock farming to obtain uh, a pollution permit is the bare minimum for the EU. However, it okay, it's, it's a very normal pattern. Uh, NGOs are happy, um, but happy, but with a caveat: the uh, commission could have been more ambitious. Uh, the criticism. Uh, comes from uh, member states, and in particular, from the uh, Farmers uh, uh, Association. There was a very harsh attack by the French agriculture minister, um, Julien Normandie, and also the current chair of the AgriFish Council, so the, um, the, the basically, uh, the gathering of ministers that every kind, uh, almost every month, uh, they gathering together either in Luxembourg or in uh, Brussels. And he said on Twitter that the commission today adopted a draft directive on industrial emissions that doesn't take into account the reality of our farms. This is, uh, and I'm quoting here again, this is nonsense and we will fight at council level Mm -hmm. to bring reason back into this text. So the Normandy was super... um, Critical of this uh, proposal,
0: you could say he's got a lot of beef with it.
1: Yeah, 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 particularly beef indeed, <laughs> uh, but also a bit of chicken. And um, he's co- got
0: chicken with it. it, doesn't have the same kind of ring, though, does yeah, it? Yeah,
1: of course, of course. But again, we're talking about wants uh, <laughs> the chicken out. No, no. Oh. It's, it's, come on, hey.
0: you need to come up with a pun about pork, Gerardo. Go on. No,
1: no, no, no. This is too much. <laughs> this is too much for me. Um... <laughs> Also, because I mean, I was speaking, but Julia was trying to was already trying to prepare something fun. Yeah, it was just I was just trying to save you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Thanks, Julia. Um, so noble.
1: Uh, copacu, Also, the farmers lobby. Um, for instance, they they complained about this thirteen uh, percent mention in the um in the uh, proposal. Uh, because for instance, if you put the threshold at 150 livestock units in Germany and in Finland, for instance, this, this is what Copacogia said, uh, means more than 90% of the um, livestock produ- production. So wow. Because uh, uh, they all consider agro- agro-industrial installation. So uh, huge. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, this is what Copacogia, I, I haven't verified, <laughs>
0: Okay. because, uh, yeah. So 90% could be penalized for the size of the, uh, in Germany. And mm. Finland. Finland.
2: Yeah. German farmers are really unhappy with it, too, for that reason. That's yeah, also the argument yeah.
0: they're making.
1: And so. also there's um, the MEP, Irish MEP, another island, another livestock nation. Um, they complain about the potential bureaucratic nightmare for farmers that, that could mm. come up after this proposal, which is basically uh, he was mentioning that uh, uh, with a wait time for licenses in Ireland currently at nine months and uh, environmental inspe- inspections taking place every one to three years, uh, he basically questioned whether we even have the capacity to deliver what the EU requires. So again, mm. it's uh, it's just a proposal. There's going to be... Um, a and,
0: lot of discussion on yeah, this.
1: And, and again, it's a proposal that it's about in, industrial emissions, mm. So it involves uh, many different interests. The the, the one uh, around the the interests around the agri-food world are one of the main involved in the battle. So uh, there's going to be a long battle ahead. So uh, let's see and, and, and stay in touch with us. Uh, not stay in touch, with stay tuned. <laughs> stay, tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. You
0: can also stay in touch <laughs>
1: with us if you want. gonna receive some calls from people, oh, what about the...
0: Okay, we welcome
1: okay now we can talk about food security.
0: oh thank goodness because we haven't talked enough
2: about yeah. this in the last few weeks <laughs> it's so
1: also about food technology.
0: i was getting i was some already feeling sc-
2: weird not talking about it
0: yeah exactly i was getting some like withdrawal symptoms and like kind of food security anxiety but
1: <laughs> <laughs> who wants to start
0: i will go i'll take it i'll take it but yeah as we said at the beginning of the podcast this is the flavor of the month food security the but
1: not the flavor of the week eh? we have a different, <laughs> that's a different flavor. Thing. that's a
0: different thing <laughs>
1: also a, a different smell of the week. Um,
0: but yeah we did we, we kicked off this week again talking about food production the need to up food production i mean if you've listened to any of our past podcasts um in the last couple of weeks we've been talking a lot about you know Is the EU food secure? Do we need to up food production? The Commission's been giving some very mixed signals about this. Um, On the one hand saying, no, there's no risk of, you know, being very clear, actually, like reiterating many, many times. No, there's no risk of food insecurity in the EU at the same time they are promoting policies and giving different measures and options to member states to up food production and this week uh, speaking in front of agri so ap's in the european parliament's agriculture committee um, in Strasbourg, uh, the EU Agriculture Commissioner Janusz Wojowski, he he repeated again. Um, you know, he said firm in his in his convictions that the bloc has to increase food production. Um and so he was saying that this is actually a key priority, the key priority right now. Um in fact his his words were it is simply prudent, simply prudent to support our farmers to produce more food while they can. And basically the reasons he was giving for this is that. Essentially, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. He was saying you can't predict what's going to happen in the future, and that's why we have to up food production. Um, so it seems like this this issue of increasing food production and food security is not going away anytime soon. Um, and he also outlined a number of uh, a number of ways that he wants to help. That the commission uh, has put forward to help member states achieve this. You can read more about it on my article that I've got on in your active. But-
1: this is self promotion.
0: It is shameless, shameless self-promotion. But I can also give a quick... I
1: mean, once we read a check also my article... No, don't do that. Just
0: mine. Just mine. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll give you a quick summary now so you don't have to read the whole thing. But essentially, he's pushing hard on member states to change their uh, common agricultural policy, uh, national strategic plans, which we've spoken about many times on this podcast, these plans that... Through which member states will um, detail how they plan to uh, how to how to reach the EU's green goals. Um, So he's really encouraging member states to change these to um, to take into account this new geopolitical situation. Um, He was actually saying, you know, these plans were peacetime plans, and now we need wartime plans. It's time for wartime cap plans. And there was also another way, a few other ways that he was talking about these derogations to environmental measures. Um, So basically, yeah. Production,
1: can I say something?
0: You've got a really (laughs) stupid look on your face. I know you're going to say something really annoying. What?
1: Because you were saying, uh, I mean, um, this is you jargon. No, it's not even you jargon, it's uh, a journalistic parlance. No, the block, the block (laughs) is basically the you know, Uh,
0: yes, this is
1: uh, what we we call no, 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 because there's an association in my mind. mind. Oh, um. because uh, this is Financial Times uh, jargon, no? Because uh, <laughs> they use the term "block." You know? Sometimes I have people asking me, "Well, what does it mean, block?" You no, know? and and it's basically the EU, you no? Know? It is the block. The EU is the a block. EU block,
0: yeah. The yeah. Block of yeah. The but I mean,
1: they, they don't take it for granted. <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of people. <laughs> you say that at a certain, but from the block, and I... and you were talking about Janusz, and everything is about the, the Jennifer Lopez song, Janusz <laughs> from the block. <laughs> <laughs> That's the stupid thing that I want to I'm
0: say.
1: I'm still Janusz from the blood. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, i li- used to make a little. Now we make a lot. Yeah,
1: ah! yeah. I was checking the lyrics, and actually, it's <laughs> it's super, it, It's Taylor. It's, it's a
0: shame where we came from. <laughs> oh
1: my god, this is this is a great song. So yeah, but maybe we could also present in the next. Uh, maybe for the one hundredth episode of the podcast, we could we can
0: also do a whole song.
1: The whole song, yeah. Mm. And they have some wrapped, wrapped parts. So we can they,
0: rap and sing Janusz yeah. from the Block.
1: Janish from the that's
0: quite a promise you just made to our listeners.
1: No, I'm saying I'm. Just, it's it's an option. We can do it. So we have to do something for the 100th episode. Right. I don't
0: know, uh, I mean,
1: <laughs> it's probably in in summer, late late in summer.
0: Uh, anyway, yeah.
1: yeah, no, no, this is uh, just, no.
0: I think it's sooner than that.
1: Yeah, you know, Janusz from the blog. <laughs>
0: All right. We will get working on that for you.
1: But the whole <laughs> lyrics is, it's perfect for, for, anyway. Uh, sorry. Um, Julia, you want to say something?
2: <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah. I thought we could take a little look at, uh, this week's agenda. No, I mean on, on uh, Janusz. On, on, the the blo- bloc- on the blog, no, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm at it, a loss of words. I'm uh, jogging, I'm jogging. Uh, no, I'm, uh, She's so amazed by your junior. I have nothing to add. You've blown her away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was is, silently uh, making plans of how I can
1: leave before the one hundredth episode to yeah. escape. <laughs> if I'm on holiday, well, on on.
0: <laughs> they're all like, Julia, "Okay."
1: Julia, we even put it in the in the picture now, so you can't leave. So
0: you can't leave, but the listeners can't. they have had their warning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> can I drink a bit? No, but,
0: uh,
2: sorry,
1: sorry, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Julia.
2: Okay, okay. to uh, in in an effort to escape this uh, a bit, uh, <laughs> I'll jump to the AgriFish Council this week, so the meeting of agricultural ministers, um, which was in Luxembourg this week, uh, rather than Brussels. So a bit of a shake-up, talk about the same topics, but meet at a different place. Uh, and indeed, again, we have the-, the It's this... a
1: very efficient uh, EU system.
2: Uh-huh.
1: No one ever, ever uh, calculated the emissions of moving the whole stuff. Probably, yeah, probably.
0: Sure, surely, someone has.
1: Probably, someone they they calculated the emissions of uh, moving 700 MEPs.
0: That must be absolutely enormous. Yeah, Bye-bye. and yet they're okay. Now, no, no, proper no. fodder there too. Mm-hmm. But you know, they're gonna they're gonna um, penalise the farmers, but they're gonna move 700 MEPs once a month. To try- <laughs>
1: anyway, we yeah, are no, leaning toward populism now. <laughs> Is the <laughs>
2: European but- Parliament big enough to fulfill the minimum amount for
0: the big industrial These are the big uh, questions. Yeah. These are the questions. Sorry, Julia, okay. we did not uh, you again. Um
2: Yeah, so uh the agrifish shook it up a bit in terms of uh place to meet, but not in terms of topic, uh, really, because uh, here too we have this kind of groundhog day feeling. Um they did the ministers did talk again about food security. Um, they had Commissioner Butchko there uh-huh, uh, to talk about the Commission's communication on food security. So a big surprise there. Um, and they also talked about the situation in Ukraine and the effect it has on agriculture markets. Um, and in this bit, they had a guest appearance again from the Ukrainian minister, but the new minister this time was called Mykola Solsky. Uh, to talk about the situation in the country on the ground. Um, maybe you remember, I think we talked about it uh, in the podcast too, that last time uh, when the ministers met last, uh, the Ukrainian agreements also appeared, but it was still uh, the previous one who stepped down just a few days later because of uh, health reasons. Um, yeah. um, so this, this time it was the new one. Um, but there were also some other topics that aren't food security, so here we go. Um, the ministers um, also talked about avian influenza, so otherwise known as bird mm. flu, um, which has been wreaking havoc in many European countries. So they talked about the situation and measures to be taken. Um, and they also talked about a favorite topic of gerardos, which is geographical indications. So we Not heard sure. about that a bit last week in the podcast because the commission presented its proposal last week.
1: So indeed, indeed.
2: If you want to hear more about that, you can pop back to listen Las you know no, to last week's No, no, there's,
1: <laughs> there's a you know there's um this group, uh within the Agri Council. What you were
0: talking about another another song? No, 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 no. There's this
1: group, um, uh in within the. This is another funny stuff. Um, within the Agri Council, led by Spain, hmm. called <laughs> <laughs> Friends of GIS.
0: Do you count yourself among their members.
1: <laughs> no, apart from this, but you know, I mean, it's like uh, Spain. You no, know? I mean, it's the land mm-hmm. of uh, big poet, uh, Unamuno Cervantes. They, 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 really, not <laughs> they didn't even come up with uh, with a better name than uh, Friends of GI. But uh, yeah, anyway. GI I yeah GI, yeah. GI, of course. So much this potential. Is a, a joke that only. American or English, uh, we understand. But
0: <laughs> you seem to understand.
1: I understand because I have a a, a kind of culture. Because
0: uh, I'm so cultured.
1: on on American and English stuff, but mm.
2: uh, I have a kind of culture. that was a good quote.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, no, in I have the sense a kind that of culture. Uh, you know, <laughs> I remember when it was mentioned this um, uh, GI Joe stuff, and I in in, a, in another podcast, one of the fewest podcasts that I listen. <laughs> and I had to Google it. Okay. Um Okay. um go ahead, Julia, sorry.
2: Yeah, so other than Next the... time
1: next time, <laughs> <laughs> next time you're allowed to shout at me.
2: And <laughs> I'm, I'm staying calm, it's fine. Um no other than the GI Joes. Um the ministers also talked about um a pretty technical but a pretty important topic. Um again. Like the like we heard um from Joao about the industrial emissions, it's one where you maybe at first sight it's not it's not obvious how it's related to agriculture, but it is. And it's the revision of the EU's land use regulation, which is called the LULUCF regulation in the slang. Um so this is primarily a file for the climate and environment ministers, but um today during the Agrifish Council, the agriculture ministers discussed the agricultural aspects of this file. Um, so to put it into context, um, the land use regulation is part of the EU's FIT for 55 package, um, which has this um, fun name because it's meant to cut the EU's emission by 55% by the year 2030. Um, so this land use um, reform is all about Uh, reducing carbon emissions in the land-use sector or um, removing carbon carbon emissions. Um, And within this framework, the EU already has a system that keeps track of uh, carbon removals, so removing carbon from the atmosphere by natural structures like forests or peatlands. And the question is now whether the agriculture sector should be included in this and be combined with the forestry sector in this system. So basically to account of carbon removals in this sector. And this is what the commission has proposed. It has proposed to uh, include agriculture um, in this uh, system of uh, carbon removals. And the French minister, who we already talked about, Julien de Normandie, who is also the president of the Council of Ministers at the moment, um, supported this during the discussion. Um, But it's also a contentious topic. And um, others argued against it or criticized specific points. So um, some people argued that if you mesh together agriculture and forestry in this way, it could serve to hide the emissions that agriculture has behind the forestry sector, which has a lot of carbon removals because, um, well, trees store carbon. And um, some delegations, for example, Germany also raised the point that it's actually difficult to have um, fixed absolute targets for carbon removals in a sector that's all about natural features and where you can't really predict how much carbon will actually be stored because it fluctuates um, according to to the natural conditions. So that's another point that could be difficult. So, yeah, the point we're at is that the Commission has proposed this and um, the European Parliament and the ministers are discussing it at the moment. Um, and I think we can... Yeah, we were in store for quite... Had some contentious discussions in the coming time,
1: and that was all. Uh, thanks, Julia, from the blog.
2: So, we actually have some pretty big events coming up this week um, in France, and to talk about them, we have a French colleague here with us, uh, Hugo Struna, and um. So you we have um, the election in first election round in France on this Sunday um and you've come to talk about that a bit.
3: The first round uh, of the French presidential election um it's a very important moment for us uh, it's a bit like uh, the football world cup uh, even <laughs> if this year is uh, less enthusiasm i don't know why but
1: He's, he's mentioning the, the World Cup because France actually won the World Cup. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so that's not, like, then I, I wouldn't say the, the Euros because Italy won the Euros.
0: Italy won everything last year. No, but actually,
1: we, we won't join the. The World Cup in in Qatar next year. No, this year
3: actually. So, we'll, I mean,
1: we'll you. We'll so you. sorry, you go
3: ahead. <laughs> uh, and I don't know if you if you know the the French system. For your information, there are two rounds. Uh, the first one on Sunday, uh, April 10th, and the second one on Sunday, April uh, 24th. Um, there are uh, eight candidates in total. For uh, the moment, Emmanuel Macron, uh, the outgoing president, is in the lead with 27%. Uh, uh, um, second, uh, Marine Le Pen, extreme right, with 23%. Uh, then there are Mélenchon, left-wing candidate, with 17%. Um, Becres right-wing, and Zemmour, uh, far right wing. Um, both are around nine uh, percent. Only the two ones uh, that will be uh, the most voted will go to the second round. That suspense.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean it's um, we've seen on uh, our website. Uh, you're active uh, that you actually wrote this article uh, when where you looked at uh, all the programs uh, highlighting the agriculture parts of this program. So, um, what, what, what stands out when it comes to, um, the topics, uh, touched, uh, at European level, like the common agricultural policy, the farm to Fork strategy?
3: Yes, uh, even if it's uh, French election, the uh, candidates must talking about agriculture at an uh, European level because we receive uh, <laughs> uh, 9 billion euros per year thanks to the cap. That's um, a good amount of money. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, about uh, Emmanuel Macron, uh, he's seen in France as the, the father of the new cap in France, which will arrive in... Uh, 2023 Uh, his national strategic plan has been well received by the agricultural world Uh, there is no loss of budget and there are ecological aids etc but arrived the crisis covid and the war in ukraine the government take a productivist turn Uh, It uh, in it's the case in France and I think it's in, in Europe um, independence and food sovereignty have become the, the, the keywords uh, of this new policy to the point to question temporarily I hope the European strategy farm to fork and certain cap measures such as the um, 4% fallow land and if is uh, re-elected. Macron will uh, continue on this way, less demanding in terms of uh, ecology. About other candidates, we can note uh, a real political cleavage on farm to fork. The right, the right side candidates are uh, against it. For them, uh, it would be a decrease. And for the nationalists, uh, is it uh, represents uh, a risk for France to be less competitive. On the other hand, the same nationalists, uh, Zemmour and Le Pen, are quite satisfied with this national strategic plan, um, which gives more power to state. The only uh, friends of Farm to Fork are on the left. Uh, Mélenchon and Jadot support it, and it doesn't uh, even go far enough, uh, enough uh, for them. Both want to reform the, the cap, the cap uh, in dips, for the aid the per uh, they, they want to, to stop the aid the per hectare and help the organic farming more than what it's done today, etc. There are finally some topics uh, that uh, everyone agrees on continue to support organic uh, agriculture and uh, regulate imports and uh, stop import products uh, that do not meet our standards. Uh, the famous uh, mirror clauses.
0: And there's also this question of generational renewal, which I know is a, is a big problem in France, but also in uh, across the rest of uh, across the rest of Europe as well.
3: Yes, yes, this is a, a major challenge. Um, within a decade, in France, all. F- of all farmers will retire uh, all the, the candidates want to to make the profession attractive improve uh, agricultural education and encourage uh, young people to set up and take over the family farm the first tool to facilitate the takeover uh, is simply tax exemptions especially among uh, rights right-wing politicians for example um, removing inheritance taxes so that taking over the the father's farm is not too expensive overall uh, the right-wing candidates are attached to family farming and to facilitate the transfer of farms by tax exemptions on the left they want to use public structures to facilitate access to land Uh, The other tool uh, is to encourage older farmers to leave their place. Mélenchon, left side, and even Pécresse, right, uh, propose to increase farmers' pensions. Valérie Pécresse wants even to increase the pension for um, white-hought farmers' wives. You understand. (laughs) In in any case, uh, this is a real challenge for France uh, in the coming years. France now has less than uh, 400,000 farmers. They were 1.6 million uh, in the early 80s, 7% of employment uh, in uh, 1982, and 1%. .5% uh, per, uh, in uh, 90 uh, in 2019. If you want to 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 help you are welcome. <laughs> Belochon is uh, counting a lot uh, one the neo farmers to create a new workforce. All right,
1: <laughs> <That's>...
0: avec plaisir.
3: Avec <laughs> 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 I mean, Bienvenue,
1: <laughs> bienvenue. a <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, farmer in France. Uh, you know, yes. uh, it's more, it's more a small parcel in um, in uh, I don't know anywhere. No, anywhere. <laughs> no, mean. no, anywhere. Oh, now I'm not gonna say the regions that I don't like from France because we have
3: <laughs> also French lists. You know, and you, French you, you French have French. the same. You have the same problem in your countries. Yeah, no, but I mean, it's
1: uh, I mean, it's yeah, but a
0: nice little farm in Ariège uh, be pretty. Could be worse. worse. I'm just okay. giving away my favorite region of France.
1: <laughs> yeah, just say could be worse. Like could a, be worse. A, a, a farm. <laughs> <you know. laughs>
0: I'm not going to
2: say where it could be
0: worse,
2: but it could be worse. No, Very diplomatic. We, fab-
1: we published, uh, um, like two years ago, this report uh, where actually was stated that um, uh, the farms in the northern part of Europe were uh, could be more attractive mm. because of the climate change. No, yeah. So we should uh, we should start invest in Finland rather than in France. Also, so, do
0: you remember that they released this thing about rent prices last week? We put it in the agri brief last week and the cheapest rent prices were way in the north. So actually...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: So, uh, sorry, Melenchon, we're actually...
0: Sorry, we're going to Sweden.
3: Yeah, we're going to Sweden. (laughs) During Macron's campaign, with his desire to ban the sale of eggs from battery chickens, this was to be done by 2022 <laughs> but it wasn't uh, all the other uh, the others want to increase controls of uh, on farms but also the slaughterhouses, houses uh, which are a huge issue in France ritual uh, ritual uh, slaughter uh, without, without stunning uh, for kosher and halal meat is a very disputed uh, subject. But when you read the programs, everyone is in favor of abolition. Uh, many candidates propose to generalize um, reversible uh, stunning, uh, a method uh, that uh, makes the animal less sensitive to pain before killing it. This method is fully compatible with uh, religious rites, kosher, and, uh, and halal. How will farmers vote? Uh, I don't know if, if there are some polls. Usually, farmers tend to vote for the right in France. Uh, in, in this election, the main difference with the general public is uh, the lower voting intentions for Marine Le Pen, extreme right, um, 11% of farmers uh, versus uh, 24, uh, 23% of general public. Um, the uh, farmers are mostly uh, looking towards uh, Macron and Pécresse center, right and right side. Uh, the survey also shows that uh, the two main concerns are one, first uh, better remuneration for farmers and to reduce the normative and administrative restrictions.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, they're not uh, like uh, very keen uh, to the concepts like mm-hmm. farm to fork. I am not that surprised that Macron uh, was uh, uh, not against farm to fork, but uh, open to reconsider if if these are the polls uh, in terms of they want better remuneration and, mm. and reducing the um, red tape. Uh, Okay, thank you. Thank you for being with us. today.
0: So, in the iconic words of Lou Reed, for this week's Flavour of the Week, it's time to take a walk on the wild side.
1: Okay, just just a warning, this is going to be a love letter from Tash to her favorite uh, food stuff. so Not
0: necessarily my favorite, but it's up there, I would it's say. It's
1: the... Something it's, I
0: definitely enjoy.
1: So we're going to, yeah, we're going to listen to her monologue. We uh, had we
0: had earlier the friends friends prefer, of GIs. I'm, I'm the friends of the foragers.
1: You prefer where. monologue or stand-up uh, comedy?
0: Um, can I not have a funny monologue?
1: A funny monologue. So a stand-up comedy.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, the, 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 not the floor, the stage with you.
0: Wow. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, okay,
1: well we're going to say something uh, I to commend.
0: <laughs> All right. What am I talking about this week? Well, spring is here and so is... Spring week. is
1: here in Brussels.
0: Just about, just about. It's <laughs> Ignoring the fact last that I, week, I lit a fire last night, so that's so cool.
1: Last weekend was snowing, but yeah, go ahead. Please.
0: Okay. Well, spring is kind of here and so is wild garlic and that's what we're talking about this week for our flavor of the week and so especially um it's especially prudent this year actually because the season started early thanks to some uncharacteristically warm weather not in the last week but do you remember the couple of weeks before Before. it was very warm it's confused well, everyone including yeah, the plants yeah we're yeah,
1: confused yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah so the wild garlics confused as well we're all confused it's not not a good situation but anyway So what is wild garlic? Well, wild garlic is also known as a whole range of fun things like ramsons, wild cow leek, um, buck rams, or bears garlic. I feel like you must have a comment about that. No, 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 no. It's a bulbous perennial flowering plant that's a member of the onion family, and it's actually native to Europe and Asia, where it grows in moist and shady woodland. Um, so, if you've taken a stroll in the woods around April time, you've almost definitely seen the leaves carpeting the woodland floor. Um, so the plants kind of grow together in these in these dense clumps, and the leaves are long and thin, um, and it has these white flowers with the the little petals are in a star shape. <laughs> you this can is, hear. That's <laughs> a
1: great description. It's a great description. It's, 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 poetry, <laughs> it's poetry. It's poetry. It's well, not well, even. You said a... it was a
0: love letter. It really is.
1: No, no, but it's, it's a poem, guys. It's a... <laughs>
0: Anyway, if you haven't seen it, you've almost certainly smelled it because the woods around this time of year smell like a French kitchen. <laughs> it's very garlicky. It's
1: the, the stand up part of the...
0: <laughs> and that's as funny as it gets by the way, so if you didn't like that, you're not in, you're not in for a good ride. But anyway, the best thing about wild garlic is that the entire plant from top to bottom is edible. Not only edible, but it's also delicious and it's much, it's kind of much softer in flavour than the normal garlic bulbs that you get. Um, and it's incredibly versatile. So there are amazing. Now we're going
1: to have the garlic lobby complaining about <laughs> this uh, statement.
0: Well, I like both garlic, but I love wild garlic. Anyway, there are all kinds of fun things you can do with wild garlic to add to your food. So you can do like, I like doing a, a wild garlic risotto. Some people make wild garlic scones or scones, depending how you want to say it. Um, my personal favorite is to whiz it up into a pesto. So you just shove it in with some parmesan oil and uh, pine nut, pine nuts or other nuts. Or make wild garlic salt, and you can have that all year round. So have the fun all the time. Um, And you can also put the flowers on like a little garnish, you know, to garnish the dish. I love an edible flower as well. So
1: okay, there must be edible, of course.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, of course. You don't want to put non non edible things on your food, do you?
1: Yeah, but you you say garnish. You can also garnish with something that you don't eat.
0: No, but this one's an edible garnish. Even better, waste not, want not. You know what I mean? Okay,
1: okay, absolutely.
0: And it's not only delicious. But it is, in fact, nutritious.
1: Ah,
0: nutritious, even, uh, or at least it's thought to be. Because while garlic has been traditionally used throughout Europe as a spring tonic due to its blood purifying properties,
1: spring tonic. I know. Julia is astonished.
0: Also thought to lower it's cholesterol dangerous. and blood pressure. This thing's magic. And the adiburnus <laughs> that keeps keeps the vampires away. But okay, that was all. Funny.
1: We need we need the you know the fake laugh. Like the common. Like your friends.
0: Yeah.
1: Like in Friends, a lot Ha ha I can do the ha ha Very good. Okay, go ahead.
0: Well, also not to mention that, of course, getting out in the fresh air to forage for wild garlic is a great way to connect with nature. Plus, it's one of the easiest ways to go into foraging because I love foraging, but there are some, you know, if you're going for mushrooms or something, it can be a little bit more risky. Wild garlic's a, Pretty safe. Well, we'll get onto that in a minute, but it's a fairly safe bet. Um, so it can be some ah, but real. risky
1: because of the poison. Ah, okay.
0: But yeah, you got to oh, know yeah. what you're doing. You know, you can't just you know.
1: No, um... I thought the the act itself was risky. Like
0: well, we're also you have a bear we're or... also getting. Well, it depends where you are. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see onto that. But yeah, it can be some real you know wholesome family fun. Um, but as you said. Just picking I up on what you did. Well, you, you mentioned that there could be some risks, and so of course it wouldn't be responsible of us to talk about wild garlic without some words of caution. Um, so if you are going for a garlic picking sesh, do be careful not to confuse it with a very similar looking but actually poisonous um, lily of the valley. But they, but they are they're, they're quite easy to tell apart.
1: I didn't know about this part.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Are we? Are we suggesting people go foraging?
0: Well, I just in case they're interested, I've got cater for the whole audience. Anyway. Next time,
1: next time, I'm gonna read the old script.
0: <laughs> no, but it's a good thing to do. People can go out and enjoy nature and, you know, actually get your hands in the soil. Your
1: active is not responsible
0: oh, God. for any anyway.
1: incidents that could happen after dinner. No, 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 no but it's, okay.
0: it's okay because they're actually quite easy to tell apart because the lily in the valley doesn't smell of garlic. So trash your so nose. This is
1: the only threshold. <laughs> like.
0: Well, they also, they also look slightly different. Like the wild garlic. Unlike wild garlic, its it, it leaves sprout from a stem, so that's, they look different too. But of course, as always with foraging if, foraging, if in doubt, leave it out. So if you are, if you're not sure, but just, just have a sniff, and it's very distinctive the smell. So if it doesn't smell like garlic, it's probably not garlic.
1: Or you, or you can um, send a tweet uh, uh, tagging send uh, a Natasha pic of, Food. Are you, uh, uh, you having a at Natasha Food? <laughs> And uh, asking you about uh, any advice. <laughs>
0: Not about can send like, send can no, but you
1: uh, can't reply in. Send pictures
0: No, but send pictures of people foraging for wild garlic. It would be fun. But actually, I'll go, I'll go on to the next point because there's also something else very important here. Because wild garlic picking is actually getting very trendy. I just want to say I was there before it was cool. But anyway, it's getting very trendy. And so it's also very important to remember your countryside code, people. So, you know, be respectful, don't trample down the woodland and the wildlife if you're trying to find garlic and also remember that garlic's a wild plant, its flowers are used by pollinators. So only take, you know, take the few leaves that you need, but leave plenty to regrow. So it's actually best to, although all of it's edible, Give it's it. best to pick the leaves or the flowers and then leave the bulb in the ground so that it can come up to yeah, it next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: that's true. So be, respectful. be Be kind with other people around you because as you said, uh, it's a crowded um, <laughs> uh, hobby. Yeah. And, uh, and also, um, And also, yeah, be kind with nature because it's. uh,
0: Gosh, this is some deep.
1: I know. And I guess I was uh, inspired by by the poetry. Are
0: you going to go wild garlic picking?
1: Now that you say that I can risk my life, probably not. You're not going
0: to risk your life, just trust your Uh, senses. No, but okay, but if you don't fancy trying your hand at actually picking the wild garlic yourself because you're lazy like Gerard, <laughs> then you can also find it in markets this time of the year. So that's a little bit of a safer bet. You can buy it in the market. Mm. It's actually quite expensive to buy in the market.
1: You're better off
0: going to buy pick it yourself. No,
1: that's why you're, you're actually bringing me wild garlic.
0: I did bring you wild garlic. Yeah. You remember, you liked it.
1: Yeah.
0: There you go. There you go. You've got, you have got Gerard's endorsement.
1: And that's all from us uh, this week. Uh, this week, the AgriFood podcast is produced by your Actives AgriFood team, Gerardo Fortuna, Julia Dam, and Natasha Foot, with the technical support of Evi Chiori. And
2: this podcast is also available on all major streaming platforms, including Apple, Amazon, Stitcher, and Spotify.
0: Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss the latest agricultural news in the EU. I'm Natasha Foot. Thanks so much for listening, and see you next week.